Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. Tari. Yes? We got to talk about Avengers. Oh, do we? I think so. Oh, I was going to talk about this this like small peanut butter that I just started eating. And uh, oh man, it's so savory. Have you heard of... No. I also <laughs> want to talk about uh, Avengers Indie Game. Um, I think that the way we should do this is we should give slight overall no spoilers then yeah because it's um, a very tough movie to talk about without getting pretty spoilery pretty fast especially because they did a pretty amazing job with the marketing as far as not revealing anything whatsoever right so if you still haven't seen this movie and box office estimates are coming in now we it's uh, sunday as of this recording 1.2 billion with a b global opening weekend yeah so you probably saw it already most likely, statistically, more of us saw it than didn't this weekend. Yeah. But if you still, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, if you were one of the people who uh, couldn't make it through the onslaught when everything was crashing trying to get tickets, uh, yes, we're going to try and tread as lightly as we can up top, but pretty quickly going to delve into stuff that maybe you don't want to know going in. Yeah, and we'll let you know when the, the tide turns or when the spoiler curtain comes down and you can't see our naughty bits. Yes, and we will we figure out the best way to tackle this, right? Because I feel like we could do two hours on this movie and we still might not hit everything there is to talk about, but... We ain't got that kind of time today. Somebody mentioned, I don't know if you heard this, somebody mentioned that there might be some fisticuffs in Winterfell. And I want to I want to sit on a on a comfortable perch at a reasonable distance ah. and watch that shit go down. Yeah, of course. But don't sit on the wall because it's already taken down. Spoilers for <laughs> Game of Thrones. That's, those, those, that's like year old spoilers, though. <laughs> so um, that's on you if well, you yes, don't know this. I think that like uh, once we give our overall, we'll just talk about our, our favorite things. Um and, All right, you got and, three hours to do that. No, but like our top, like, like top three. Oh, uh, I could be concise. I don't know if I'll be uh, brief, but I could definitely. I'll do my best. Uh, if you haven't guessed, uh, I was very happy yeah, with oh, this movie. Did you like it? I was very happy with this um, movie. So, what is your overall thought? Holy shit! Okay, they. I mean, they did it. You know what I mean? Like, the, <laughs> no, but ser- I mean seriously, that this is. An impossible movie. Right. I mean, I, I was sitting there watching it in the theater and I, the whole time, this is impossible. This yeah. cannot possibly, cannot possibly exist. It it literally does. I'm sitting here in a theater watching it and I'm still in total disbelief that this movie exists. Yeah. They did something unprecedented in cinema history and something that I think it, it's incredibly unlikely anything like this is ever going to happen again. Yeah. And as far as concluding an 11 year, 22 movie Saga right now what what Kevin Feige has now uh, told us is is going to be referred to as the Infinity Saga. Yeah, I cannot possibly imagine a version of this movie that sticks the landing harder. Right, and I, I, I cried a lot. Yeah, a lot. Uh, cheered, laughed a whole bunch. I saw it. I I did brave the ticket onslaught. I saw the movie. I've seen it twice. Okay, now. Uh, and both times I saw it at LA Live because that's the the Regal portal was one of the only ones I could find that wasn't crashing super hard. Yeah, I I, I lucked into great tickets like center of the theaters. So the first time I went and saw it was on that Thursday, 
first show that I, I could it was 6 30 p.m show in their big the big kind of premium format large screen theater at la live saw it with I cannot imagine a better, more engaged audience to see it with. I've literally never heard that much spontaneous applause in a movie theater before. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to speak for you, Tari, but I, I feel like there's there's some overlap here. These movies mean a huge amount to me, just like they mean a huge amount to a great many people. Yeah, and seeing it conclude the way it did and pay off so many different things from 11 years worth of storytelling. Uh, I thought, I thought it was incredible. I thought the way that they chose to resolve certain characters arcs was, was amazing. And, and things that I, even if it occurred to me as a possibility, I would never have thought they'd actually do like, they'd never have that level of audacity. But yeah. of course, as always, you're wrong to underestimate Kevin Feige and Marvel studios. This thing was incredible. Yeah, I agree. I think that like, uh, everything that you said, and I think that the the scope of the 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 movie as a whole, um, it it spans from the beginning of of uh, the saga through the end, and it, it pay off, pays off so many different characters' story arcs that they've been keeping over the course of different movies. Um, it also helps to expand the world itself, um, which gives a lot of the other branching upcoming series room to play with. Um, and it also, uh, in addition to being super emotionally charged and driven, um, it's it's a funny-ass movie, it's man. It's very, very funny. And they are able to, and we can talk more specifically when we talk spoilers, they're able to, in a single scene, pivot from comedy to tragedy and back again. Yeah. And and these actors, uh, one, one actor in particular and the way the character is handled, uh, there's almost nobody in the business performance-wise who can move from one to the other so fluidly moment to moment. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking we'll, about. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. Because um, it's impossible to talk about without spoiling certain things. Right. So those are our overall thoughts. Um, as you might have guessed, we liked it. Um, and Also, so, this thing, by the way, this is a three-hour movie. And a lot of people, of course, you see that runtime. It's like, oh, that's, that's long. Is this going to be arduous? Even if I like it, is this going to feel like a really painful sit for three hours? You know, but... I don't know about you, but to me, this thing is paced insanely well. This thing does not... This is the fastest g goddamn three hours of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd agree. Not gonna lie, I had a giant headache the whole time, but it was still worth it. Um, not because of the movie, just because I, I went to a 9 a.m. showing, um, and my body hadn't settled into existing yet. Yeah, I don't think I would have been able to process it at that point. Yeah. It was tough. Oh, I guess one, one other thing I can say uh, without delving into anything spoiler related because it's not specifically about something in the movie. Second time I saw it, yeah. I saw it uh, also at the Regal at LA Live, but I saw it in 40X, okay. which I've never done before. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad that I didn't see it that way for the first time yeah. because I don't know if I would have been able to get as fully emotionally engaged. Plus, I wouldn't have seen it with that amazing audience. Yeah. But 40X, have you, have you ever done 40X? No. Super fun. They're not a huge number of locations, but the first one in the country, I believe, is the one at LA Live. It was the first one. I believe there are more now. That's yeah. how first works. 
fun. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a super cool thing. There's the seats move around a whole bunch. So in action scenes, for example, you'll be kind of thrown around a little bit. There are uh, effects like environmental effects of very light rain effects or, or wind or fog. There's a lot of lights and it, it corresponds to the movie, which of course is in 3D as well. Very, very, very fun. Um, but again, I'm, I'm glad I didn't see it that way the first time because I just, I, I wouldn't trade that experience that I had for anything. Yeah, I get that. Um, so now we're going to drop down that spoiler wall. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, make sure that you go see it before listening to anything that we're about to say. Um, so the curtain is slowly closing and we're allowing you the time to turn this off if you need to or um, go walk and get a sandwich and then watch the movie for the next three hours and come back. Um, so, all right, cool. So the spoiler wall is down. Um, so what would you say were your like top moments or what were, what would you say are the, the things that you enjoyed most about the movie? I mean, most broadly was that it was constantly surprising me. Yeah. You know, um, the structure is really interesting. The, the first, most of the first hours about dealing with the fallout of Infinity War and trying to reassemble the team. Most of the second hour, you get this uh, amazing, big, long sequence of Marvel greatest hits, essentially, as they yeah. as they back to the future to their way through their uh, their own timelines. And then you get this final hour, which is the most incredible fucking battle that you will see in fucking any movie maybe yeah. um if we're talking about favorite moments right i mean one of course stands above all others it's the moment that i've been waiting for for 10 fucking years and it's that moment where captain america finally says avengers assemble and everybody every hero in the marvel cinematic universe and all of their armies charge at thanos and his i yeah. have never i swear to you I am, it's not, I get that it's a bit of a hyperbolic statement, but believe me when I say I have never had a moment like that in a movie theater. Yeah. And I think it's pretty unlikely that I'm going to have one again. I was just covered in fucking happy tears and I could barely, I felt like I was going to hyperventilate the entire time because I was so, so blown away by what I was seeing and so goddamn happy about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, the, the top moments were a lot of the quieter like person to person moments. So especially the ones that because this movie is essentially the previous guard passing the torch to the next generation. Yes. Um, we get two specific examples of, of characters talking to their parents yes. and essentially asking like, how do you do it? How do you, move forward how do you like one we get tony talking to his dad about becoming a father and passing on the uh and raising his children right and, and tony of course and we we get this five-year time jump after the opening yeah. and you find out that in those five years tony has created this life for himself and he's happy he's at peace and he has a daughter he and pepper have uh i guess she's probably about five years old give or take right uh named morgan so he himself is is a relatively new dad right and then you also get Thor talking to his mom. Um, Which, did you think, uh, did you think in a million lifetimes that in a world where they have basically three or four other Marvel movies to travel back into, that one of them was going to be Thor the Dark World? I mean, 
it did have the most emotional beats in terms of all of the the <laughs> the big Marvel Thor movies. Like, you know, the first one was up its own ass, and then the second one like had what? Oh, do you it not do you was, not like the first Thor? No one likes the first Thor. Okay, first Thor is in no way a bad movie. The kiss in is no way? In no way. In no way. The kiss is a bit tone deaf, and that's about it. I don't like. I will. Okay. I don't love the moments where Jane basically fawns over him. Okay. But other than that, no. Like, when was the last time you watched it? It's a pretty solid movie. I watched it probably a couple years ago. Um, I think that some of the fish out of water stuff works. This this isn't a, a Thor um, podcast, so I'm gonna we're, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but um, I well, yes, I think that we get like Thor two is where we get the most development emotionally for um, Thor's relationship with his family. Like three is three and um, infinity war is when we get the most uh, development for Thor himself. Yes. But in relation to his family, that's when we get the death of his mother. We get him almost kind of reconciling with Loki. Like those pieces were the best parts of, um of the thor pre uh, ragnarok right. series absolutely and yeah. i i love that we were able to bring rene russo back which i was very surprised by yeah and give her more lines i think than she had in the two thor movies combined that is true but we had spent so much time focusing on thor's relationship with loki his brother and odin their father and we outside of a couple of shared moments you don't get too much between Thor and Frigga in either of those movies. Yeah. So it was really nice to have those pieces there. Right. Um, and to have it be his mother who who reminds Thor of the importance of, of being who he is and not who he thinks he's supposed to be. Also, we bring back Natalie Portman for one shot. Literally one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but, but speaking of Thor, right? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. That's who yes. I was talking about earlier. He slides from comedy to tragedy and back again, in moment to moment, like nobody else in the business right now. Yeah. What they did with the character of Thor in this movie, it felt very much to me like Hemsworth went, I would really appreciate it if I could play yet a different Thor. And it's it's equal parts hilarious and really sad. Right. Because Thor, having lost absolutely everything, so fully blames himself for not going for the head at the end of infinity war and for that snap. Like he really, he holds it against himself. Like this is my failure. Yeah. And when they also, they fucking chopped Thanos's head off in the first 10 minutes of this fucking thing. Yeah. And they realize it accomplishes nothing because he's already destroyed the stones. There's no way back. And realizing that not only it, it, not only has he failed, but in trying to undo his failure, he's only, he's only failed further and so on. And so in that intervening five years, he just goes into a hole and he drinks and he eats and he plays a lot of Fortnite with Korg and Meek. <laughs> but when you find him, right, when, when uh, Rocket and Hulk go to recruit him from New Asgard, you, you discover really quickly, not just uh, that he's let himself go physically, but Thor has severe post-traumatic stress now. Right. Like he can't, he, he hears the name Thanos and he breaks. Yeah. His his story is very sad, but of course, because Hemsworth is so hilarious and Lebowski Thor is such a funny concept, mm -hmm. you almost forget in a few moments how 
crushingly sad Thor's story is up to a point. Right. Um, there's a, a little detail that I really like about um, th- like Lebowski Thor in that in the pre five years later, um, there's just it's like a short shot where it's Chris Hemsworth in front of a plate full of bread. And it's like the very beginning of him starting to like sad stress eat. Yeah. And I like that that little detail because there's someone had because that shot is in the trailer and someone was like, who just eats a pile of bread? And it's like sad people. Yeah. People who like are just trying to eat away that pain. Um, and I, so I like that little detail. But also, yes, I think that he does a really good job of balancing those two things. And it's it's also really interesting seeing people's reaction to it. Um, I think one, because you're so used to seeing Chris Hemsworth as a beefcake. Just ripped, yeah. That I think it's jarring for people. And I think that also some people's like fat prejudice start to come bubbling to the surface. And that like some people I've heard um, talk about it, they're like, there's just like something about it. Um, Like having him be really big, like I I don't like it. There's something I don't like about it. And it's like, it's because you associate being fat with like failure and you associate it with like laziness and like, you can't separate the idea of like why he is the way he is from like your own views of what it is to be fat. Okay. And, but in the movie explicitly though, it is directly tied to him giving up and not taking care of that. That's what I don't, if I, you know, quote unquote, don't like anything about it. Right. It's less that he's fat and more, I just want Thor to be happy. I everyone wants Thor to be happy. <laughs> like I think I've said this like when we did our fucking three hour long like MCU recap. Oh yeah, like, like if you want to hear us talk about uh, all of the other MCU movies leading up to Infinity War for what four hours total? Something that we like that. Did, yeah. We did that a year ago. Go back into our feed. Check those episodes out. Yeah. Um. B- oh man. Yeah. So um. I, yes, everyone wants Thor to be happy. Um, that's a given, bro. He's been through a lot. He's lost a lot. Like he, he, his, his whole race of people are, can fit in a small town where they were a whole planet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, it's, it's been rough. Um, uh, but still, um, I think that yes, his, his character being able to, um, fulfill his, uh, his arc, which is essentially just, finally be his own person and get out from under like what his father wants for him or like what he thinks he needs to be or for his people or for everything else. And that has been his arc since the beginning of Thor in the MCU. Right. Um, And then, so I think also um, Tony's arc in this whole thing. So everyone has been talking about like, who's that mystery kid. And okay. That made my head hurts from rolling my eyes so hard at those pieces. I mean, but it's, if you have, let's say you haven't seen Iron Man three in a long time. Um, also he looks different. He's a, he's near grown up now. Sure. So like you, you would be forgiven if you're like, Oh, I forgot that like that kid exists. I mean, I'm not saying that somebody should be smacked for not knowing. I'm just, you just, it's he could anyway. But yeah, my point being that um, you you it's it's easy to think of Peter as uh, 
Tony's first foray into mentorship. Yes. But the first time was when I would say like most of his, his like real deep story development started, which was Iron Man three. Yes. Like we started a little bit with his wrestle with mortality in Iron Man two. Um, but that was kind of dropped once he, figured out the new element they were like who cares yeah nick fury shows up and it becomes a bit of a different movie right um but in in iron man 3 is when we really start developing iron man as a true character outside of the suit like who is tony stark and what does he care about right um and in that we get his first proto mentorship with that little kid who he hangs out with in um, that small town. Yeah. And, and yeah, his relationship with Harley really does it. It establishes uh, an element of Tony's character that of course pays off heavily when he meets Peter Parker. Right. And so we've ultimately been gearing up towards Tony Stark having his own progeny and growing from it. There's the moment when he, this is post five years later and everyone comes to talk to him about time travel. Um, another one of these like really intimate moments where everyone's coming to see him and he's like, Hey, look, it's, it's probably impossible. I'm really glad to see you guys. Like he's been so humbled and he's so um, like, he's just a person. He's not quipping. He's not hiding who he is behind his own wit. He's just, vulnerable yeah and there's that moment that just that line where he's like look if you're not going to talk shop you can stay for lunch again really glad to see you come in right and he he's happy with the life that he's made for himself yeah you know and for the first time it's he's got he's got he's got that stability he's got that thing that to go back to right like he's he's had pepper and he's had friends and stuff but that this is this is I think what Tony didn't realize he wanted the entire time. Yeah. Um and he can be present for his daughter and and their relationship man is so crazy sweet. You know people are going to be saying I love you 3000 for fucking ever now. Right. But it's uh it's so it's so wonderful to finally see Tony at at peace, to have some semblance of happiness and to feel not like his every action is guided by his post-traumatic stress right and his need to counter one mistake with an even greater mistake mm-hmm. um though i will say that i also oof it's a really hard scene to watch but counter to what tony becomes is when tony first gets back on earth and he's talking to um captain america and this is this is basically the first time that they've been face to face since uh civil war and I do appreciate that there was, I assume a lot of people would go in and I, I did to an extent expecting there to be a big moment where they reconcile, you know, and there really isn't. There are a couple of quieter moments and I love that about it. We yeah. get that wonderful scene later where Tony gives Cap a new shield and basically talks about how like resentment is corrosive and he hates it and he doesn't want to be that way anymore yeah but we don't get one grand moment of like we are friends once more and shit (laughs) like the first time they see each other is he needs to help tony down the ramp of this ship because tony is in such bad physical shape right um and yeah that scene when they're when they're talking in the kitchen and not but like did downey actually get that that thin or do you think that was cg i think it was cg yeah yeah um because 
Yeah, especially if they're they're filming this all together. I don't think they'd be like, all right, we're going to take like six months off for you right. to get gross and emaciated. If that was if it was Christian Bale playing Tony Stark, oh, I would he assume, would have done it. Yes, he absolutely would have yeah. done that. And he's like, all right, uh, I know we got to shoot some scenes at the house tomorrow where I'm supposed to look better. So give me, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> and it's just him stuffing bread into his face. He's like, I'll, I'll, be, "I'll be the correct weight." And they're like, "You're supposed to be like muscular." He shows you know? up with the with the belly from American Hustle. It's like this is not the, fuck. We'll CG the belly out. <laughs> um, no, no, no. We're just gonna make it part of it. He has a dad bod now. Yep, Tony's He's gone dead. to seed and whatnot. Yep. Um, I do like because we were talking about um, just kind of going back that all three. Like the as people call it, the the three main Avengers or like the Ca- Trinity, yeah. Um, Captain America, Thor, and uh, Tony are all different ways of like dealing with failure. Yeah, um, and they, like they really encapsulate that. Um, some people come to terms with it. Some people um, are determined to try to make up for it no matter what. Some people just give up like that. The, those three people encapsulating this one thing in this movie and seeing how they each like find a way to work through it is really interesting. There's a, a very lovely scene right after the time jump where Cap is leading a support group like Sam did when Sam was alive. And you also, in that scene, you get uh, Joe Russo as, I believe, the MCU's first explicitly gay character. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my roommate about this earlier in that I like I liked the idea that it it was just like a normalized scene of someone being like, Yeah, I'm gonna date another dude. Fine. I didn't like the the victory lap that the Russos were doing where they're like, Look guys, you know, uh hey, we we made the first LGBT character. Hey. I mean he doesn't have a name and he Was uh, this something they were doing like at press things? Um, like after the uh, yeah, after the movie premiered, okay. there were like interviews where they were like, we did it. We did it. The 21 movies, 11 years. We did it. We put someone gay in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I missed all of that. I, I don't. Uh, yes, I totally get why that would be irksome. I tend to not pay too much attention to the press stuff uh, if I can avoid it. Yeah. So it doesn't. Uh, in context, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I could I definitely see. Good. I could see how that might irk you a bit yes (laughs) um yeah i mean i just i could have also just done with a a makeout scene with maria and captain marvel we could have just done that like they come back together and just smooch real hard um i want carol and valkyrie to date so does the whole internet apparently the internet does um and i wouldn't have thought that but once the internet said it i was like i I didn't even have to think of this on my own this is great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i but I still just want her to be with Maria. I know. So That'd be nice. And Valkyrie, I want her to just like sleep with everyone. Well, Valkyrie's queen now at the end of this movie. Valkyrie rules Asgard. So Valkyrie could pretty much, I think she's got her pick. She could date whoever she wants. That's true. I want her to have like, I want the next time you see Valkyrie to have like some sweet throne and there are like dudes and women and like aliens just like hanging around and she's like, oh, I just finished up. And then there's like one little alien dude feeding her winged horse off to yeah, the side. Exactly. Um, so there's, there's still a bunch of things I think we should hit and we gotta, I feel like because we, we gotta get our Valerian steel swords ready for this battle, we should probably like, we should All hoof right, it. Run through them. Ho- hoof it. Cause horses. Yo, I got it. Horses. That's, that's the intersection between Marvel and Game of Thrones. Horses. 
Yep. And things that fly. Hell yeah. And all right, blades. Do it. Do it. Sub- do it. All right, man. Do it. Um, um, okay. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess most, most significantly, and I feel like we, we will probably be discussing this movie for quite some time to come in one form or another. Yeah. But I feel like we need to just hit, we talked about Thor's arc. Uh, I feel like we need to hit the the rest of the core team as as quickly as we can. Obviously, uh, we we figured going in that this would be Robert Downey Jr.'s final appearance, and they do write out Tony Stark in this movie. He sacrifices himself to use the Infinity Stones to snap Thanos and his army out of existence. Mm-hmm. First of all, how fucking satisfying was it to watch that purple bastard turn to dust? <laughs> it's pretty nice. That was great. Um, and also the, the the way they bring Thanos back into the narrative that it's his 2014 self that discovers what happens, discovers the whole plan, actually has more knowledge than the present Thanos did. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how they, they reintroduce him into the plot I thought was really creative. Mm-hmm. The two nebulas, I thought Karen Gillan does not get anywhere near as much credit as she should for this this role and the dual roles that she plays in this movie. Yeah. Uh, if, you had, if you had told me when Guardians came out that Nebula was going to end up being one of the most pivotal characters in this entire dang thing. I would be, I would have been surprised a little bit, right. but she was phenomenal. But so, okay. So Tony sacrifices himself that moment uh, at the very end where Thanos is like, I am inevitable snaps, nothing. Boom. He's got the stones on his hand and he defiantly says, and I am Iron Man. Boom. Snap. It's, it's, it's poetry, dude. It's yeah. poetry in motion. It rhymes. And of course, <laughs> yes. Um, of course, he he gets to see his his loved ones, his closest loved ones, are there with him in his final moments. It's Rhodey and it's Peter, and of course now Peter uh, having to watch Tony die. And I believe it's the very first time he calls him Tony. Yeah. Um, and then of course Pepper getting to be with him and him hearing the things that he needed to hear in his final moments, which is we, we won, you did it. And we're going to be okay. And you can rest now. I was a fucking dude. I was a mess. I was a fucking mess. I was a mess way before that. But holy shit, was I an, a much bigger mess at that point. Yeah. Um, the moment, oh, the moment where, where Tony first sees Peter back and just embraces him, I thought was absolutely fucking lovely. Yeah. Um, we, we get this incredibly moving funeral for Tony where you see that. And again, it's just like, how I don't know if it's like, I'm already crying. And I'm starting to cry again while I'm already crying. Yeah. When you see the the his first arc reactor on the little oh, the float yes. in the lake, the proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah, that was really sweet. And then you get this long shot that pans down the line of all of the people, all of the the remaining heroes, everybody that had a, a personal relationship with Tony. Their their lives were directly touched by him. You see, pretty much everybody going the see, mystery kid right and and harley and w- william hurt who got paid however much to stand basically in the background of a shot yeah and then you pan up and finally of course you see nick fury uh back standing there of course uh, to send off tony uh yeah. looking down the line of people being like i'm gonna hijack that little kid's summer vacation uh <laughs> fuck it. uh but but also uh 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 cap story as well um you know but, but so yes I, f- I feel like it was a perfect way to write out Downey and, and write out tony stark i felt like it was a very nice uh, fitting tribute to to where it all started at the end having everybody come together to mourn him yeah 
Cap story fucked me up emotionally so, so intensely. Um, everything, everything to do with Captain America in these movies has always, in my opinion, been wonderful and incredibly successful. Yeah. There are a lot of wonderful callbacks to other other movies, both in individual lines or setups. Of course, with the exception of the first Captain America, the Russos directed uh, directed the other two, directed Infinity War. Uh, Marcus and McFeely wrote all three Captain America movies. Yeah. So it's it's great that we can pick up on stuff that they put in place to begin with. Uh, when, of course, the, the elevator, when they go back into the past, uh, they, they recreate the elevator sequence from Winter Soldier. It's all of the same actors plus uh, Jasper Sitwell. Yeah. But he's trying to figure out how to get that scepter out of there. And, of course, you assume... We're gonna go back to to fisticuffs. Yeah, and he motherfucker leans in. He's just like Hail Hydra, and of course the whole theater goes fucking ape shit. That it's genius, and of course is also I think a sly nod to the the relatively recent right. Secret Empire storyline, which made a whole bunch of people irrationally grumpy a couple of years ago. Yeah, wonderful, brilliant, brilliant choice. Also, speaking of uh, Winter Soldier tie-ins. They got Robert Redford to come back for this, mm-hmm. which is out of my fucking mind, uh, crazy because. Robert Redford's retired (laughs) and they were able to get him to come back for Avengers Endgame, which like how fucking wild is it that it's entirely probable at this point that the last film credit in the story decades long career of Robert Redford is going to be Avengers Endgame. That's amazing. Fucking wild. You could say it's his endgame. I could, but I wouldn't. I did. (laughs) I did it. So, so the way they resolve Cap's story, which is they, they have to go back and put all of the infinity stones back where they were so that fractured timelines don't mess with reality, right? Because their version of time travel is going back and changing the past won't change the future. It will essentially create an alternate timeline. Right. So he goes and he puts all the stones back, but he decides that he finally wants his life and he decides to stay in the past with Peggy and he appears again in the present as an old man. Yeah. And he passes the shield on to Falcon, which I think is just so fucking wonderful. Yeah. Um, and he, you, you, they make it clear that he talked this over with Bucky ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I love at the very, very end of the movie, I absolutely fucking love uh, Falcon sees the ring. And he's, he asked Steve, you know, uh, are you going to tell me about her? And Steve just looks small, little wry smile. And he looks out at the lake and he says, no, I don't think I will. And it's so it's so fucking beautiful to me that not only does Steve Rogers finally get to live his life with with the love of his life, but he finally gets to have something that's just for him. Yeah. And we end the movie in the past on a shot of Steve and Peggy finally having their dance. I'm going to cry right now. Um, it's it's beautiful and it's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely fucking perfect. And it's a perfect, perfect way to end the movie. Um, there's only. There's one other, a couple other characters, but their their arcs are are tied pretty closely together that I feel like we should hit before we wrap. That is, of course, Natasha and Clint. And yeah. Natasha is the first major death of an Avenger in this movie. I I don't know about you, I did not see that coming at all. Um, I didn't. Well, I saw it going. I guess one of three ways, like. I assumed that either because the 
the requirement was that you give up the thing that you love the most. So were you thinking, because I had the thought too, at first I was like, oh, are they going to do like Clint already lost everything that he loved and so they're going to use that to loophole that shit? Right. So yeah, I figured either it would be that or they both jump off at the same time and okay. it, they're rewarded for it um, or they they do what ends up happening is they both fight to, to sacrifice themselves for each other. It's a wonderful sequence of reversals and it feels so completely rooted in character and their relationship with each other. Yeah. Um, and, and like you get that ultimately it had to be um, Black Widow because one, she has less ties to people. And we started the movie with Clint losing his family and his whole, arc is about getting his family back so it'd suck if like he killed himself and then his family came back and was like where's daddy and she's like she's like let him die well yeah um yes and it it too it it is a perfect tragic of course but a perfect resolution to black widow's arc across all of these movies right because with the exception of iron man 2 when she was introduced every Every appearance of Natasha Romanoff in these movies has been laying the groundwork for a payoff like this. When we when we re-meet her in Avengers, a big part of what's driving her is that she's got red in her ledger, right? She was made to, and they, they uh, follow up on this and, and delve into it a bit deeper in Age of Ultron, which, by the way, is a movie that is so much better than it gets credit for. Yeah. Not for nothing, man. The stuff with Clint's family that pays off so spectacularly in this movie that was all stuff Whedon had to fight super hard to keep in Ultron, which is yeah. just a wild thought. But she she was made to be a perfect assassin and nothing more than that. She literally refers to herself as a monster in that movie. Barton was sent to kill her and made another choice and was the first person to show her that she could be more. Mm-hmm. And eventually she found S.H.I.E.L.D., and through S.H.I.E.L.D. found the Avengers. And that finally gave her, it gave her a family, it gave her a purpose, it gave her a sense of identity beyond just being a killer. It gave her the opportunity to be good and do good, finally. Uh, and so her arc resolving with her ultimately making making the ultimate sacrifice for her team, for her friends, and for the universe, is it's sort of the ultimate the ultimate point the the pinnacle of where that art can go um and of course the the man who first showed her that she could be more than what she was gets to go home to his family right uh first time i i watched the movie this sequence definitely made me cry but i was half in shock at what i was seeing yeah uh second time i just fucking cried <laughs> also of course uh it it very directly mirrors gamora's death in infinity war in terms of both uh, shock composition and music but because of that now i keep picturing red skull just like having that music queued up on an ipod ready to uh-huh. hit play for anybody that actually makes the fucking sacrifice right like he's watching the reversals being like ooh ooh Who's it going to be? And then he sees her drop and he's like, oh shit, iPod, and runs over and hits it and whatnot. Right. Of course. Um, but yes, Hawkeye does get to go home uh, to his family ultimately. Uh, there is so much more to talk about. And I know we don't have time. At a certain point, uh, I'm going to end up tagging up on this conversation with you and with a bunch of other people. There are characters that we didn't even mention. 
there are big sequences we didn't mention. Cap fighting himself yeah. is amazing. When when 2012 Cap is like, I can do this all day, and Steve's like, Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's fucking awesome. America's ass. Like this this movie is going to be quoted extensively forever. Right. Little moments uh, that pay off little things from previous movies, like when everybody gets undusted. Uh, Wasp. Uh, the cap cap gives him a, a an order and she's like we, we got a cap and she and Scott have that little look because she was always giving him shit about calling him cap and right. and the wasp things like the absolutely wonderful um, fuck there was so so much more to talk about yeah at some point maybe maybe even on this show I'll make you talk about it some more but f- for now like I know I, we got we got a battle to get to and whatnot yeah what did you guys think at home? Let us know on Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Um, yeah, give us your favorite moments from uh, Endgame. Let us know things you liked. Uh, let us know your favorite character arcs, things of that sort. Keep the conversation going, guys. Let us know. Oh, yeah. And by the way, does this mean Thor is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I mean, it sounds like he it. He brought a bag. That's true. Um, unless they're like, all right, you smell, we got to get you off. Um, but that would be nice. Right. Like professor Hulk. We didn't even really talk about like finally banner gets to just enjoy himself, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, of course, everybody's already memeing that rat that accidentally lets Scott out of the quantum realm. Like the rat is the real hero of Avengers Endgame and whatnot. It's true. It's kind of true. I really did captain Marvel's haircut. Yes, it was nice. Some good, some uh, good uh, haircuts in this movie. A lot of people, a lot of people knocking Hawkeye's haircut, and I'm like, yeah, you're just mad because you couldn't pull that off. Yeah, no, it was hot. hot it was hot. Hawk. <laughs> it was a hot. You made him a hot guy. <laughs> a hot guy. Terrible. Okay, I'm done. Lex, where can people talk to you about uh, Endgame? Oh, I, I'm I'm looking for anybody and everybody who wants to talk about Endgame. Talk to me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. And you can find me at Tari J T A U R I J A Y. Again, you can hit up this podcast at Missing Outcast in my S S I N G O U T C A S T. Um, and make sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll be talking about the real Avengers Endgame. Hell yeah. Which is Howard the Duck <laughs> from 1986. Hey, you you know how it ends now. We're going to go all the way back to where it began. Hell yeah. It's the first Marvel Comics big screen adaptation. It's true. So make sure you tune in. Uh, until then, we will see you tomorrow. Bye.